Hallelujah. Hey, I am so proud of all of our seniors. Thank you so much for your faithfulness, not just to completing a, a school and everything that goes along with school, but thank you for your faithfulness at TWBC. Thank you for your faithfulness in the kingdom of God. And I look forward to seeing what God has in store for your life. And I know there's a lot of things that are said around the world today about, oh, this next generation, what are we going to do about this next generation? I don't know, but when I look up here and I see all the young students up here graduating high school, I'm pretty pumped about the next generation. Amen. I'm pumped about what God can do through them. I am pumped about what God has in store for them. And to me, looking on this platform with all the seniors that were here, to me, our future looks pretty bright. Amen. Our future looks pretty good. And I am proud to embrace the future moving forward at TWBC and proud of you guys and all that you're going to accomplish in your lifetime. And so, hey, this morning, I want to encourage you to open up your Bibles today to the gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, chapter number 10, is where we're going to kick off in this morning's message. And I got a lot of things in my heart that I want to say, and so I'm not going to finish my message today. We'll finish it up next week um, uh, as we close out the May Day series. But we are in a series called May Day, and May Day is the series because the current crisis that's in the church that we're dealing with is 80% of the churches are in decline, and 17% of churches are growing, but it's why I transfer a membership, only 3% of churches are growing by actually lost people being born again. So that causes great concern in the church world. And so uh, one thing I do want to celebrate is we did have a person born again in first service this morning. Amen. Can we give God a hand clap of praise for that? I'm declaring by faith that it's the first of many, many, many thousands of people coming to Christ, amen, if not millions of people coming to Christ because of what God does at the Way Bible Church. But if we're going to see those numbers of people coming to Christ and getting plugged in into a discipleship uh, uh, lifestyle where they begin to grow in Christ and reproduce and become uh, Christians who have other people come to Christ because of their walk, there's got to be a time and place when we as the body of Christ quit being the ones who are in Mayday and we become the people who rescue the people who are in crisis. Amen. And so the title of this morning's message is called Extraction Plan. Extraction Plan. And I entitled it this because many times in the church world, we look like we are the ones who are the victims. We look like we are the ones who need rescuing. We look like the ones who we are just patiently waiting on Jesus to come back and take his bride homes when we should be the ones who are empowered by the kingdom of God to go bring lost people out of crisis into the house of God so Jesus has a complete bride when he comes to bring his bride home. Amen? But many times we look like we are the poor, pitiful, pitiful, pathetic bride waiting on a rescuer to come and rescue us when that happened on the cross of Calvary already. That's right. So when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary and he was raised again from the dead and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me, therefore you go... He changed us from being the ones getting extracted to be the extractor and pull other people out of a Mayday lifestyle. And in church, if we do not embrace this calling on our life, if we do not embrace this mandate on our life, that you are not the one in crisis. If you are, you can be out of crisis before you leave here this morning. Amen. Yeah. But by and large, if you are born again in the house... And you are plugged into the kingdom of God through the things of discipleship that we have here at TWBC and group life with Pastor Jeff. You are fastly getting out of a Mayday lifestyle into a lifestyle that empowers you to become the ones who bring people out of crisis and into the kingdom of God for true transformation. 
And so with that being said, I believe that as the seniors were standing up here today, that it's not just a graduation for them, but it should be a graduation spiritually for many of you in the house this morning. That you are coming out of an immature lifestyle with Christ into a mature walk with Christ Jesus. As they are coming out of high school, they are entering into what we call adulthood. As you, in many times in your life, are coming out of things in the world and going into the kingdom of God, there is a graduation that takes place into your life. But if you do not embrace who God says you are, and you keep going back to who you think you are, you're never going to step into who God has called you to be. Many people walk around with the Gideon mentality. You walk around that you are the least of your family, you are the, the weakest in your tribe, that you are powerless to change anything when God is looking at you saying, mighty warrior. Many of you need to adopt and graduate into the spirit of David's mighty men. When King David was standing on the battlefield and the Philistines had taken, over, had taken over Bethel, which is in the land that God had given to David and his mighty men, David prayed this prayer. Oh, that someone would go to the well gate of Bethlehem and get me a drink of water. And the three mighty men at the request of David's prayer to God went to a place called Bethlehem and drew out water and brought it to God's man, David, where David saw then that he had mighty warriors who were going to take back what God had already given them. A lot of us in the church were waiting for somebody else to do the warfare, and we like to sit and watch the show. Come on, somebody. Today, I'm telling you, you are going to engage into a lifestyle of transformation personally that will transform people outside of the doors, not just inside of the doors. It is time for the body of Christ to understand what was mentioned in the book of Acts chapter number 7. As Stephen is about to be stoned and lose his life, he is going through all of church history where Abraham was called, where Isaac was called, where Jacob was called, where Moses was called. And when Moses got to his, when he got to Moses' calling, he said this in Acts 7.34. And this is, he was talking about how God was having a conversation with Moses. And God said this, I have come down to deliver them and now come and I will send you to Egypt. Did you catch what was just said? God says, I have come to be the deliverer, so I want you to go to Egypt. God said, he'll do the delivering, but you have to do the going. Many times we pray the opposite prayer. Oh, God, would you go and bring people in, and when they get here, I'll deliver them. (laughs) See, we're trying to flip-flop roles. God said, no, you go because I'm the deliverer. Many times we said, no, God, you go because I want to be the deliverer. When we do that, we're saying, I want to become God, and God, you have to lower yourself to a status of me. When we need to flip the script back and realizing the only reason we can go is because he has been the deliverer to us. And now that we've been delivered, we're called to go and encounter a world that still needs delivering with the kingdom of God. So this morning, I've set this message up in phraseology and terminology of uh, 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 basically like a military extraction. And you're not watching it on TV. You are a part of the process. You're not sitting watching a movie and getting entertained. You're ready to engage in the battle. 
And so as I read this scripture out of the gospel of Luke chapter number one, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's giving them the extraction plan. He's giving them the extraction plan because he's realizing that there's a call on people's lives that need to encounter the kingdom of God. And the extraction call is a formal command given by a higher authority to go and do something. And this is where I love the, the, I love the Navy SEALs. I love the Marine Recons. I, I love the, the Green Berets. I love the, the, the rescue divers of the Coast Guard. I love anything that's crazy. Come on, somebody. <laughs> An extreme about doing something awesome to impact somebody else's life. And with this, God is calling his disciples to step into that role and hear the call that somebody is in Mayday, and he's giving them permission to go by a higher authority. And when you go by a higher authority, you're going with the empowering of that authority. When Jesus said in Matthew 28, go, because all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me, he was telling you to go in a higher authority. Not your authority, but his authority. He's telling you to go and extract people out of a mayday crisis situation and bring them into a kingdom lifestyle that will transform their life. Now, I do want to I do want to brag on somebody in, in the in the congregation today. And and you see Mark sitting up here on the front row. Today was his first time on platform this morning playing the guitar. I mean, come on. But Mark didn't get there by chance. He didn't get there from the seat here to accidentally getting up there with a guitar. There was an extraction that took place in his life. There was an extraction by Pastor Jeff that reached out to an old friend that knew he was in a mayday moment or lifestyle. And Jeff said before church this morning, my daughter's singing and Mark's playing. I may just cry all service, right? Come on, somebody. I'm telling all stories this morning. There ain't nothing sacred today. And he went out and found a friend that needed extracting. And he reached out and brought him into the place of extraction called the house of God. Where with that, a broken heart got healed. A life began to be transformed. He went through next steps and found a place of belonging. He went through a, 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 a discipleship growth process with the worship team and stepped into a gifting and calling this morning. So he graduated into what God extracted him from a year and a half ago. Come on, somebody. That's good. And it's because I said I'm telling all kinds of stories this morning. I'm going to finish telling the story. Mark may not appreciate this, but I'll apologize later. I, Jeff and Mark were talking, and Mark was telling Jeff he was a little bit nervous this morning, right? Who wouldn't be? I mean, I still get nervous stepping up on platform. And, and so, so with that, Mark made this comment, it's a lot easier playing in, front of, uh, in bars in front of drunk people, right? <laughs> I say that for a reason. I don't say that to be pointed or funny. I save it for a reason. What God saved him out of using his gifting and calling in the world and what he brought him into using his gifting and calling in the kingdom the reason he wasn't the, the, the reason he was nervous wasn't because he doesn't have the skill set he's more than qualified with the skill set 
the reason he was nervous is the very same reason I get nervous when I still walk on platform. It's the reason of you cannot duplicate the anointing of God. You cannot duplicate the anointing of God. In the scene where there's the clubs and the bars, you can use lights and smoke and sound and everything and, and all the, the, the indulging that's going on to get a great euphoric experience and great emotional time. But that isn't the case in the church because the only thing that transforms lives is the anointing. And he knew that when he stepped up on this platform, he was called by God to be a mighty man to carry the anointing and bring refreshing water back from a gate that was held captive into the kingdom of God to transform somebody's life through the power of God of worship. The only thing, I'm just going to speak from my heart this morning. We may not even get to notes. The only thing that the world cannot duplicate is the anointing of God. Don't ever mistake it. The only thing the world cannot duplicate is the anointing. When Moses was before Pharaoh, Moses did something, and then the magicians did something. Moses did something, and the diviners did something. Moses did something, and the supernatural of the evil side did something. Make no mistake about it. The only thing that sets the church apart from any other religion that's out there is the anointing of God. The anointing of God, as if you're wondering what that is, the anointing is the tangible presence of God that happens in a place where believers gather together in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, listen to what I'm saying. It's the tangible presence of God that happens when people gather together in the name of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says it's this. It is the burden-removing, yoke- or bondage-destroying power of God that only happens because His Spirit is present. This is why there is a huge mandate on this church. We don't just want to be good. We don't just want to be gifted. We want to be anointed. Because the anointing can't be duplicated. Giftings can be duplicated. You have people who can give words of wisdom. You also have fortune tellers. I'm just being bluntly honest this morning. So we must put a demand on our lives to press into the anointing of God. Because if we're ever going to see our city changed, if we're ever going to extract people out of bondage into a place of kingdom freedom, like we see the living example here, it's going to be because there's an anointing that comes up on the house of God again. Listen to what Jesus said when he, when he stepped out in the ministry. The spirit of God is on me, not because it gifted him. I, I see so many churches running after gifts. I love gifts. Gifts are amazing. But gifts are only used to prove that the anointing is in the house. And that Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Okay, just turn three chapters back in your Bible to Luke chapter 4. This is my, I love this passage of scripture. And it's Luke 4, 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he is referencing Isaiah 61, so write Isaiah 61 in your, in your margin and go back and read it. Because he has anointed me. Anointing is the power of God that removes bondages, destroys yokes of oppression, sets captives free. 
you're held captive to. And this is where my message is so pivotal going into next week. And it says, and he has anointed me, which I declare this to make the anointing of, of uh, the term anointing very simple. Anointing at TWBC means when heaven touches earth. When Jesus came to this earth, heaven touched earth, and look what happened. The blind see, the deaf hear, the dumb talk, the lame walk, the oppressed are not oppressed or depressed or impressed. They're simply empowered to come out of their current situation. This is why the transformation group that we're launching tonight is so important. With Paul and Stephanie Pogue and John and Sue West, it's, it's vital because it's anointed to pull people out of the, the, the things that they're in. And the first thing about the anointing is there's good news with it. If people walk into the house of God and it's only bad news, I wouldn't declare that it's anointed. The good news is people find freedom. And it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because it has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And that doesn't mean monetarily. It includes monetarily, but it isn't limited to monetarily. That term poor means anyone who is lack or deficient in any area. Some of you need good news because you're poor in the area of joy. I got a compliment on this side. I'll go to this side. Some of you, some of you need the good news because you are lack or deficient or poor in the area of peace. And some of you don't even know what, 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 what you're struggling with because you're worrying, but you're taking anxiety medicine for worry. And those are two different things. Oh, I, I'm just going to go here. Worry happens when it's a circumstance that you're going through. Anxiety is you're fearing something that hasn't happened yet. So when you go to the doctor and you say, I'm freaking out and I'm having panic attacks and it's anxiety, it means you're concerned about something that hasn't even occurred yet. Some of you don't need, uh, some of you, you, you really don't need anxiety. You need peace. You don't need anxiety pills. You need peace. Because it is the peace of God that transcends your understanding, your, your, your thought process of what you're worried about that hasn't even happened yet. It's the peace of God that bypasses that. It transcends that, and it guards your heart, which is the, the area of your life that you must guard. It says guard your heart because it's the wellspring of your life. It's where your joy comes from. It guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So therefore, it's saying the peace that you need to get over the anxiety only comes from Christ. And it's so powerful, it'll bypass your ability to worry about it or have anxiety of it. And it will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus so you can step forward into the calling of God on your life. Come on, that's going to set somebody free. If you're struggling with worry and anxiety, I'm declaring right now by the power of God that you are set free from this moment on. You're You're free. And that's the good news. You're free. Because when you shine the light of the gospel on something, the enemy has to flee. And so the, the purpose of the gospel is the light of Jesus Christ that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit that shines on a situation that sets people free. So he says this. It says, I've been anointed to tell people that there's good news who are lack or deficient in any area of life. So if you're lack or deficient in any area of your, of your life, he said, I got good news for you. The kingdom of God is here. And there is no lack or deficiency in the kingdom. Heaven is not bankrupt. Heaven is not bankrupt. There is more than an ample supply of heaven 
to meet your problem here on earth. And some of you are asking, well, why hasn't he met my problem here on earth? He had because you haven't touched into the anointing. You've only touched into a, a, a solution. God is tired of the church using, using earthly solutions that only the anointing can provide. Mm, that's powerful. Hey, hey, listen, I, I'm just going to be bluntly honest with you this morning if I haven't been already. I, I'm not preaching at you. There is, a, there is a, 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 a kingdom expansion that God is trying to do, a spiritual movement that is trying to be out. And if, if you don't... If you're not understanding what I'm doing, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching, as the Bible says in Ezekiel, to the breath so the Spirit of God can gravitate to the anointed words of God and begin to expand the kingdom of God. And you're going to be empowered in the process of it to go walk it out. But where the Spirit hasn't expanded, you're powerless to walk in it. And so this morning I've been, I've been, I don't want to sound weird, but, but I've, been, I've been distressed in my soul. I've been in anguish in my mind, my will, and my emotions because of the spiritual battle that is going on and how God is wanting to expand the kingdom. And he's looking for people like Gideon, like David's mighty men, who will sacrifice and build an altar with the oxen so they can't go back to it, to press into what he's calling them into. Some of y'all need to build an altar so you can't go back to it. Gideon was plowing with oxen and he killed him and built an altar and sacrificed the oxen so he couldn't go back to farming. He only had one opportunity and that's to go forward with the call of God after the angel visited him. Today we don't need an angel visiting us. We got the Holy Spirit talking to us, dwelling on the inside of us, living within us and doing supernatural things through us to expand the kingdom of God. Now, in just a minute, I'm fixing to talk about all this spiritual stuff and bring it into a practical walking out so you know what to do with it. But if we don't bring the truth of it out, we'll never encounter the power of it to live out practically. And so with this, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to those who are captive, to recovering the sight of the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and proclaim that this is the year of the Lord's favor. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise if you believe that this morning. That was for somebody in here this morning. So now you can flip over in your Bible back to Luke chapter number 10. And I'm telling you this morning, you were not called to sit on the sideline. You were not called and born into the kingdom of God to not have a role or a part to play. You were called and born again into the kingdom of God to be empowered by the spirit of God to go change the world that you live in, whether it's across the street or whether it's down the road to the courthouse or whether it's in in, in the next county over, whether it's in the four state area. You have been born again to be empowered into something, not just saved out of something. So many people in the body of Christ only know what they're saved out of hell, right? But you haven't figured out what you're saved into. And if you don't find out what you're saved into, you're always going to gravitate back to the person who you used to be. And if you keep gravitating back to the person who you used to be, you'll never step into who God's called you to be. And the greatest plan that Satan has ever had for people in the church is to keep their eyes fixed on who they used to be so they talk themselves out of who God's called them into being. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you the truth. 
The enemy is telling you a lie. Satan is telling you a lie. I'm telling you the truth. He saved you not just so you could go to heaven, but to call you out of not just hell, but empower you in an earth to bring a kingdom movement to your household and to your workplace and to everywhere that you go. Find out what you're saved into. Because once you're saved out of it, good. I'm glad. But I would say salvation is 90% of what you're saved into, not just knowing what you're saved out of. So Luke chapter number 10, verse number 1. All right, that's great. I got 10 minutes left. Here we go. After this. Everybody say after this. Go read what he just said before this. See, he doesn't emphasize after this just to say, oh, it's the next step. He wants you to go back and see what he said before this that led into the after this. We must begin to, as we read the Word of God, not just read it as literary language, but we must really read it practically for what it says. If it says after this, it means there was something before this. And I want you to be empowered by what's before this, not just in this. So after this, the Lord appointed, everybody say appointed, 72 others and sent them out to go ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And I'm going to just stop right here and say, I'm going to just rebuke a spirit of religion right now because some of you have been browbeaten by this verse so much, I literally felt you just tune me out. Because you've heard me so many, you've heard people so many times preach this, how the church isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing. Quit, quit. Let's go, let's go back to the Spirit of God. He's empowering you to go do what you're supposed to be doing. He's setting you free this morning. So let's tap back into this. And it says, the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into the harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one in the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to the house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return unto you. And remain in the same house. Drinking and whatever they provide you for a laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and receive and they receive you, eat what is set before you, heal the sick in it, and say to them, The kingdom, everybody say the kingdom, the kingdom. of God has come near to you. In this extraction call that we're getting from Jesus, he's telling us verse by verse how to win regionally. Hear my verbiage. Regionally, our four-county area and even our four-state area to the kingdom of God. He's telling us regionally how to win our area to the kingdom of God. And so an extraction calls this. It's a formal command given by a higher authority. So this is a formal command given by Jesus Christ to us, the church, on how we can win regionally where we're supposed to go. And so it says, after this, the Lord appointed... If you're appointed to go do something, it means you're given authority to go do it. But as you're appointed to go do something, there's also an appointment that you're supposed to be at. You don't get appointed to go do something if there's not an appointment to show up at. So your appointedness goes into an appointment of where you're going to meet up with somebody, not just some something or in a region. You're going to meet up with an appointment that is God designed for you. To bring the kingdom into their life. 
See, I believe in the house of God right here. There are over 7,000, listen to this, 7,000 appointments already lined up for just the people in this room. This week. I believe it with all my heart. We just got to understand that we're appointed. And if we're an appointed person, there's an appointment that God has us destined for. The issue is we got to make sure we are tapped into the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life, not just for a corporate worship service, but as we go out to our work service tomorrow. Come on, somebody. As we go out to our work service tomorrow, our work service literally becomes our worship service. And so we must do it in the presence of God so that way we telling us see what God is showing us smell what God is trying to do in us and use everything that God has around us to accomplish the appointment that we were appointed for but if you don't understand that you're appointed you're never going to make the appointment and you know the thing I hate the most about going to the doctor's office is you have a time and it's called your appointment and you're supposed to show up 15 minutes early to your appointment that they don't get you in till 45 minutes late to your appointment. And you're late for your appointment even though you were appointed to be there. I, I always wanted to say this when I walk in and see the doctor face to face. Hey, I'm a doctor too. Right? I got a time frame also. Right? But I love Jesus and I'm not going to ruin witness. Right? So I, so, so in those moments, I am lacking, deficient in love, and I have to go back to what I'm anointed for, right, and appointed for. But too many times in the body of Christ, we are the doctor. Get this. We are the doctor, and we have so much knowledge of how to win people to Christ, we're not tapped into the Spirit of God, and we missed our God-destined appointment because of all of our knowledge of when we think we can do what we're supposed to do. We must begin to tap into the presence of God who sets the calendar of our appointments and get in touch with the spirit of God so that when we walk into our next appointment, which could probably be in the grocery store, our next appointment could probably be in a convenience store. Our next appointment could be at your workplace tomorrow. Our next appointment could be at the ball field as tournaments are happening. Our next appointment could be at your child's graduation party this weekend. Our next appointment could be wherever God would say that you're about to go. If we're not in tune with the presence and the spirit of God, we're going to miss the appointment even though we have the knowledge to fix the situation if the doctor doesn't show up to the appointment he can't write the prescription to get you this out of the situation you're in we have a better prescription than any earthly doctor could give we have the anointing of Luke 4:18 that we just read about and so Jesus said here there was an appointment and the Lord Jesus appointed 72 others and sent them ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. He was addressing the need. Over the past two weeks, we've addressed the need. In Sulphur Springs alone, 48% of our population have no affiliation to God or a church home. The harvest is plentiful. That means you have friends that don't go to church who may have a membership at a church but haven't been to a church but still need Jesus because they're lacking deficient because of the power of God that comes through the church. Listen, the church is still God's avenue in the earth. 
So you can think whatever you want to about the church. They can think whatever they want to about the church. The church is God's avenue for the anointing to come into the earth. So therefore, when Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell can't even prevail against it, he's saying, I'm going to anoint the church to overcome the things of darkness and the gates of darkness that are stopping people from reaching their desired appointment. We can be appointed and have an appointment, but if we don't look for the need, people are going to walk by us all day long and will never, ever transfer the anointing of heaven into their life, transfer the power of God into their life. You jump on down to the second part of that verse. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest. Now, now I find this ironic. The writer of the gospel of Luke, which is Luke himself, said the Lord appointed 72. Jesus told the 72 to pray for laborers. So Jesus was telling the 72, you better start praying for yourself. Did you catch that? They were the ones Jesus was about to send out. So Jesus, when he said, pray for the laborers to go into the harvest, he was saying, pray for yourself because I just told you to go into the harvest. Believers, by and large, we need to start praying for ourselves. You don't need a pastor to lay hands on you and pray for you. I mean, it's good, it's fun, and, and, and there's things that happen, but you need to rise up because you've been born again. You're finding what you've been saved out of and saved into that you start praying for yourself that a spirit of courage and boldness would come upon you to do the work of God at hand that's before you. And so Jesus was telling the 72, I need you to start praying for yourself as you go. I need you to tap into the presence of God as you go. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest field. And then he says this, go your way. Go your way. There were 72 of them. Go your way. He was telling them to go their normal way. Go where God is having you go every single day. Go your way. Jeremy, he's saying go your way back into the school system. Go your way. But as you go, this is how you go. Go your way. He's looking across the auditorium today saying, go your way. He's picking out people all across this room saying, Andy Crouch, as you get in the truck tomorrow, go your way. Yeah. Go there. Kevin, as you go to do your work tomorrow, go your way. David, as you go to, as you go to flow serve, go your way. Yeah. Lisa, as you go to the probation office, go your way. Yeah. As we go. Go your way. Go the way you always go, but go differently when you're going your way. It doesn't mean do it your way. It means do it his way on your way. Most of us have the same routine that we do over and over and over. We get gas at the same places, right? Or I get gas at the same gas station all the time. It's five cents more than the, than the other gas station, but hey, listen, I, five minutes of my time is worth a lot more than the 32 cents I'm going to save going to the cheaper price, right? So I see the same person every time I pay for my gas, and how many times have I missed an appointment? See, I thought I was getting gas. God thought I was giving freedom. But I missed the appointment. Matt, as you're building houses all over the region, go your way. Nicole, as you're doing home health all over the place, go your way. Go your way. See, Jesus was telling them, go to the place. Go to where you're always going. But as you go, this is how you go in the process. Go your way. Be unique. Be you. Be bold with your people. Be unique. 
be you and be bold with your people. Here's the problem. As he was telling them to go their way, to many of them, that means as you go a one or two day journey from here, which would more than likely mean as you go home to people who know you, who people who know all about you, I need you to go in the power of me, not the memory of who you used to be. I need you to go in the power of me, not in the memory of who you used to be. So many of us, we want to go anywhere but to the people who are closest to us because the people who are closest to us really know us. They know what we were like when we were a senior in high school. They know what we were like when we were in college. They know what we were like six months ago when we were playing tunes in a bar. They know who we were used to be like. They don't know who we've been transformed into. And because they won't let us outlive our past, we're afraid to be bold and courageous with the gospel that we've been given. I'm telling you to go home and win your family to Jesus. I'm telling you, call that crazy uncle of yours who doesn't believe you've been transformed and go win him to Jesus. He's saying, go your way. And then as he said, go your way, this is how he told him to go. He said, go your way and with you, um, carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. And whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. By telling them don't take anything, he was telling them to go just one or two day journey, just down the road. That's why when I started this out, I said, he gives us the ability to win our region locally by what he's telling us to do. It doesn't take fundraising to go to Mount Pleasant and win people to Jesus. It doesn't take fundraising to go to the courthouse and win people to Jesus. It doesn't take fundraising to go to Sulphur Springs High School and win people to Jesus. It doesn't take fundraising to go to Miller Grove and win people to Jesus. It doesn't take fundraising to go down the street and talk to your neighbor about Jesus. It doesn't take anything but what's already in you and what's already in you is the kingdom that he placed in you for the kingdom to expand through you and so many people have messed up this theology because 12 chapters later Jesus comes to the same 12 disciples and some of the 72 and said now I need you to take a knapsack now I need you to get some funds together now I need you because you're not going regionally you're going worldwide with this thing so there's a place for both scriptures you just got to put it in the right context that's why I said he gives us the plan to win this region locally right here where we're at. And winning this region locally doesn't take a lot of money. And when we win this region locally, God's going to do amazing things through you. And I know many of you are excited about a new building and all the things that we're going to do. But the new building's not for you. The new building ain't for you. The new building's for the people you're going to reach tomorrow and bring to church with you. The building made for you. If the building was for you, we would lock the doors and say, all right, we're full, we're at capacity, we don't want no more people. The building is not for you to have more elbow space. The building is for you to have less elbow space. The building is not so we can decrease the amount of services. The building is to increase in every aspect because there's a region around us that doesn't know Jesus and 48% of the population must have an encounter with the anointing that comes through you. We'll finish this up real quick. It says, whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. If not, 
it will return to you and remain in the and remain in the same house eating and drinking what they provide now here's what i want to talk to you about this jesus immediately before this said i'm sending you out as a lamb amongst all right three people got it i'm sending you out as a lamb amongst wolves in today's world that means this i'm sending you out into a world that's flat out crazy I'm sending you into crazy is what he said. I'm sending you into crazy, but you're going to walk into crazy with something the world doesn't recognize, and it's called peace. And when I send you a person of peace into a world that's called crazy, your peace that's on you is going to infiltrate the crazy that's around you, and just you being a man of peace will transform a person who's crazy. Come on, sis. some of y'all don't understand that because you hadn't walked in peace in a long time. He's trying, that's why he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. If you're poor in peace, he wants to give you peace because he said, go in peace and go to leave your house on a person. And if, and if they receive it, it means they're a man of peace. If they don't, he said this, stay in the crazy person's house. That person who annoys you at work, he ain't going to deliver you from them. He's called you to save them into the kingdom. He brought you into crazy on purpose. He brought you into that school system on purpose. He brought you to, to, to around convicts mainly on purpose. Yeah. Sister, I know you got crazy all around you, but he brought you there on purpose because you're a woman of faith. Yeah. You're a woman who's going to transform the region around you. And so the crazier of the place that he puts you should show you the anointing that's on you. I don't understand why Christians are hoping for easy. I'm hoping for crazy. Okay, we're hoping is. I'm gonna step away. I'll step into crazy when he brings me there. I'm not gonna be foolish and run headlong into crazy when my appointment's not there. Come on, somebody. He's bringing you there on purpose. Because he sees more of the kingdom that's in you than you see that's in you. He's bringing you there for a reason. He said, leave your peace there. And listen, he said, when you go into the house, stay there and eat what they provide. I need you to get positioned into the kingdom of God. Position means, position does not mean I come to church every Sunday. Position means you find your place of belonging in the kingdom. That empowers you to plug in and get connected to a power source that is not a staff member of a church. It is the presence of God himself where you find a place of belonging and you plug into that place of belonging and you get positioned for the obstacle ahead, whatever that may be, with a group of people surrounding you that are called your mighty men, that are called the 12 disciples. And when you get positioned, you're going to walk in the power. So many people just come to church services on Sunday and never get positioned and you wonder why you don't walk in the power. It's because you can't walk into power until you're positioned. If you had, since we are in a military mindset, if you had a, a, one of these things on your shoulder, or what are they called? Well, the, the modern name for it. A LED, LED is a headlight. A rocket launch, we used to call them, whatever they're called. RPG, thank you. Somebody knows their military terms, not the pastor. If you had an RPG, you don't just stand here like this. All right, I'm going to fire this thing. You get positioned. You get positioned. And we got Christians walking out of church every Sunday morning in the world like, yes, God is good. You ain't positioned. I know you know he's good because of what you just got. And what you just got was freedom, but you didn't get positioned. 
If you don't get positioned, you're never going to walk in power because he's not going to give power to somebody who's not positioned because the power can still kill you. We don't, we don't like preaching like this in America today. But I'm telling you, he brought you into crazy to get you positioned. And some, some of you crazy is your family, right? I'm just telling you, it's okay. Because the power of God coming through you because your position will transform who they are. And the Bible says this, as you see them, heal those who are sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. The kingdom of God has come near to you. In the house of God today, many of you would leave here thinking, I gotta pray for more faith to be who Joel to be who Joel talked about this morning. I'm telling you, you don't have to pray for more faith. You don't need more faith. You do not need more faith. What you need is boldness and courage to use the faith that you have. You don't need more faith. It's like praying for a whole five-gallon bucket of water when you don't drink the glass of water that's in front of you. You don't need more faith. You need courage and boldness to use what he's already given you, to press into the position, to get into the power, to transform the people around you, because the kingdom of heaven is near. So what we need this morning is we need some people who really want it. If you really want it this morning, if you want faith or boldness and courage, I want you to stand to your feet if you really want it. If you don't really want it, stay seated. But boldness and courage need to come upon this church. And I'm declaring in the kingdom of God boldness and courage for everyone who stood by faith this morning. That boldness and courage are going to happen. Now listen, you've got to schedule boldness and courage into your time. Because boldness and courage are not going to show up when it's convenient. It's going to show up when you don't want it to. It's going to show up when you're nervous. It's going to show up when it's not in your schedule. Boldness and courage don't care about your time frame. Boldness and courage care about the kingdom. And so you need to schedule boldness and courage into your lifestyle this week. And some of you need to schedule boldness and courage into your life in the next three minutes. Because I want to ask you three really quick questions. And, and, and then we're going into sing Waymaker. And when we sing Waymaker this morning... I want some of you out of boldness and courage to come to the front and worship and begin to pray for the people who you know God has already put in your life to set free because you're going on your way. You see them every day at the gas station. You see them every time at the grocery store. You see them over and over. So as you go your way, I want you to start praying for them today out of boldness and courage. But here's the thing. Some of you, I need you to be bold in the next two minutes to say yes to Jesus. Because I've preached a lot about what the kingdom of God is. But how you access it is through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because of his death, burial, and resurrection, he's given you the power to step into the kingdom. But if you have never said yes to Jesus Christ, making him the Lord and the Savior of your life, you're knocking on a door that hasn't been opened. But if you'll say yes to Jesus this morning, I promise he's already turning the knob and pulling it open, ready to invite you in. I believe there's people in this auditorium who you sat here week after week and you need to say yes to Jesus this morning. Also, some of you know that you've been born again a long, long time ago, but you haven't been saying yes to Jesus. In fact, you still think you're the one in Mayday. And I want you to be set free this morning by saying yes to Jesus. So here's what I need everybody to close your eyes just for a minute. If you need to be born again for the very first time and say yes to Jesus, or if you need Jesus to come into your life to just bring you to a place in him that you haven't been, 
And what I mean by that, most churches say this is rededication. Some of us say we sell out to Jesus and, and we're going to begin to live for him like never before. If you need to be born again for the first time or sell out this morning, I want you to hold your hand up real high. If that's you, hold your hand up. There's hands up all over this auditorium. If your hand is up right now, keep it up really high. If your hand is up right now, I need you to immediately go to one of the ministers on the side of the auditorium. Immediately go. Because we're giving you first chance to tap into the kingdom of God. Immediately begin to go. Immediately begin to move. We had one person born again this morning. I want to see the power of God move in your life also. He didn't stop at first service. He showed up for second. Now as we begin to sing Waymaker, everyone else who's still seated all around the auditorium, or standing all around the auditorium, those in the balcony as well, you can make an altar in the balcony. Here's what I'm going to tell you this morning. It is time for you to step out. I said I need three minutes of your time to step out in boldness and courage. And I want you to come to the altar and begin to pray for somebody who you know doesn't have a church home or you know needs an encounter with God this week. As we begin to sing Waymaker, I believe it's going to be the power source and the power of God behind your prayers that propels you forward, that boldness and courage show up in your schedule this week, and you bring somebody to the kingdom of God this week, either by bringing them to church or winning them to Christ yourself. When I say go, in three seconds, it's your time. If you believe he's a miracle worker, if you believe he's a way maker, if you believe he never worked, Begin to move now and pray for somebody who doesn't know Christ or somebody who doesn't have a church home. The altars are open. Begin to move in three, two, one. It's your go. It's your time.